And let's turn to God's Word tonight, and uh, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 41 to 47. We'll read Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through to verse 47, and uh, we'll read together. Let's just pray as we turn there. Amen. Father, we just give you thanks tonight for the privilege, Lord, to come before you, Lord, and to gather around Uh, your precious word, and we pray tonight for your help and for your anointing. Lord, give us ears to hear again. We are so thankful, Lord, for the great liberty we have to meet in this way, Lord. Lord, the great price that has been paid for us even to have a Bible, Lord, and to be able to open it freely, Lord, to come to this house to meet in your name tonight, Lord, without fear, without persecution, Lord. We give you thanks for that tonight, Lord. We pray we'll not take these liberties, Lord, that we have Lord, just lightly, Lord, but oh God, tonight we just ask that you would break the bread of life to us, Lord, that you'd feed us, strengthen us, Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Just focus in on verse 42. If you would read it with me together, just that one verse, Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Fifteen times in the New Testament, you'll find the word fellowship. This is the second pillar out of four that we'll look at. Last week was the Apostles' Doctrine, the teaching of God's Word. This week, fellowship, the second pillar out of the four that we'll look at. Fifteen times is found in the New Testament. The first recorded is in Acts 2 and and verse 42. There are three different Greek words from which we get our English word fellowship. There's three different Greek words, but they're all translated fellowship in the New Testament for us. And I want to look at uh, the first two. They're only recorded once. And then number three, the one that we'll focus on, it's recorded 13 times in the New Testament. So the first one is found in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11. Ephesians 5 and verse 11 Uh, If you have your Bible, please turn there and then we'll read this verse together. Ephesians 5 and verse 11. If everybody's there, we'll read together. Ephesians 5 and verse 11. Amen. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now this word, the Greek word here that we get fellowship from simply means to share in or to have company with. So we're instructed from God's word that we are not to be in partnership with or to share in the company with the unfruitful works of darkness. Rather, we are to be the salt and we are to be the light of the world. That's Ephesians 5 and verse 11. We're not to be involved. We're to be separated. Uh, We are in the world, but we're not off the world. We are to be separated And we are to come out from among them and be holy, saith the Lord. We are to be a holy people, a separated people, not in a legalistic way, but by the grace of God that our lives have been changed, that there's a difference in our lives. We're not what we used to be. We've been transformed by the power of God. So we come out from among them. We have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away. What happens? Behold, all things become new. You have different desires. You have different desires. God puts within you a different desire. The things that you used to do, you don't do them anymore. Not because there's a law, but because it's the life. It's not law. It's life. It's the life of Jesus Christ that you don't want to do those things anymore. We're free. And, uh, and we just thank the Lord for that. So that's 
one of the words fellowship. The second one is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Brent, there's just someone in the foyer there. I'm not too sure if you check it there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. This is the second time that we'll look. This word is only found once again, uh, but it's translated as fellowship. And 2 Corinthians, we'll read it together. Uh, chapter 6, verse 14. If everyone's there, let's read this verse together. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? So in this verse, we see again here, uh, the first one was not to share company with, but in this one, it is where we get the Greek word, but it's where we get our English word, not only fellowship, but it's intercourse, where there's interaction or intercourse with the world. And so we're instructed here as believers that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, whether that be, that cannot just only be in the place of where there's uh, a, a, a relationship, a male or female, but that goes beyond just the relationship of a male and a female. We, we have to be careful what, we, what ties we enter into, what, what business deals we enter into, uh, what connections we enter into. We're instructed in the Word of God. This is God's Word that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship, what intercourse has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness? And so this is very important for the believer, for God's purpose in our lives, that we're to live that life that is separated, that is not to share on the unfruitful works of darkness. But secondly, we're not to have fellowship or come into an intercourse with unbelievers. That's God's word. And God's word will bless. We walk in obedience to this, then the blessing of the Lord's upon us. So it's very important. The 13 times after this that it's used, this word fellowship, is all the same word. And uh, we're going to look at this tonight uh, just for a few moments. And fellowship is, is first of all, and this is really important, uh, because, uh, you know, the terms often said, you know, we're going to have a wee bit of fellowship, and, and we're, we're, we're going to do this, we're going to, and it's often under the bracket of fellowship. Let me tell you, first of all, fellowship is spiritual. It's crucial that we understand that fellowship is spiritual. An awful lot of what happens in the name of fellowship really isn't fellowship, it's social. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so an awful lot of things happen, and that's not wrong. I'm not saying there's wrong in that there, but it's not fellowship. First of all, fellowship is spiritual. And this Greek word uh, that we get here for the 13 times that it is used, kononia, it is, is a per partnership or participation. This fellowship is spiritual, that we are in partnership or participating with the Spirit of God. Now, there's two parts of fellowship that we're going to look at. And uh, the first one and the second one are not two separate things in themselves, but they're, I'm going to use a very well-known Ulster word, they're inextricably linked. <laughs> they're inextricably linked. You cannot break them. You cannot say of the first one, that I am in fellowship, but in the second one, you're not participating there. Neither can you say of the second one, I am participating here, but I'm not participating in the first one. And very simply, the, the whole aspect of this aspect, the whole aspect of fellowship is it is number one, individual, and number two, it is corporate. But you can't separate those two. You can't say I'm in fellowship individually but not be in fellowship corporately. Neither can you say, well, I'm just fellowship corporately, but I'm not in fellowship individually. So that's vertical and it's horizontal. So let's look at these two. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're looking firstly at the individual. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 9. And this individual fellowship that we've been called to is absolutely amazing. And it is a wonderful truth and revelation that if we understand this through the new birth, through being born again of the Spirit of God, something wonderful has happened in our lives. Now, 1 Corinthians 1 and 9, could you read this verse with me? 1 Corinthians 1 and 9, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship 
of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here is a calling. God is faithful. If you're saved in this room, that means you're born again of the Spirit of God. You've repented of your sin. You've put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. And God's called you individually, personally, individually. God has called you. And this word here, onto the fellowship, to participate, the participation of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're called unto the fellowship of his Son. You have been bid, called to this wonderful individual relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been called to many things, called to many great gatherings. Perhaps you've been called to Buckingham Palace or other great and grand meetings, but there's no greater or grander encounter or calling than to come into the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Communion with Jesus. In that garden, we know that Adam and Eve lost it all. Intimacy with God. And through the last Adam, that's Jesus Christ, everything that was lost has been restored. And through him, we have a relationship with God. We have peace with God. We're reconciled with God. In Ephesians 3 and 6, if you turn over, we are entered in to be a partaker of the promise of God as an individual. Ephesians 3 and 6, if you turn there, we'll just read this verse again together. Ephesians 3 and verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. This is, now we're, this is, this is where we enter into a place where sometimes when we think about it and when the revelation of it really grasps our heart as individuals, we are partakers of the promise. We're fellow heirs. It is an amazing thing tonight to think that you and I, sitting here tonight, saved by the grace of God, that we are now fellow heirs and of the same body and we're partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. It's a wonderful thing. Church, if we could just grasp this tonight, the vertical fellowship, to be a partaker of Christ tonight by the Spirit of the living God through the gospel, that individually we have fellowship with Jesus. And if there's that fellowship, then something wonderful happens in our lives. The evidence of this is absolutely crucial. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 4, this word, canonia, again you'll see it, but in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, this is what it says. Now we remember this is this fellowship. It's individual. It's vertical. It's between you as an individual and God. And 2 Peter 1 and 4 Uh, Would you read this verse with me? It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Some would say amen. You get this tonight. This will do your soul good. That word partaker is this word fellowship that we're looking at. What they continued steadfastly in what they gave themselves to. You see, it's spiritual. It's so important that we grasp that it's spiritual. But here, Peter writes, we're given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises, the promises that are given to us, we are in fellowship or we are a partaker of a divine nature. That is awesome. That divine nature is Jesus Christ, the very life of God in our souls tonight. So whatever's happening on the exterior of us, you know, I felt in my spirit just in, and I didn't say it, but I'm going to say it now because I still, I believe the Lord's still probing me to say it. I've held back a wee bit. But you're here tonight, there's someone here, and you have a great need. Not just a need, but you know you have a great need. Can I tell you something, friend, tonight? God is greater than your great need. You just need to, someone just needs to know that tonight. You have a great need, but God's greater than that need. And the divine nature of God, the divine nature of God, 
You are a partaker of this divine nature. You have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What has been given to the believer tonight, Christian tonight, individually tonight, what has been given to us? Exceeding great and precious promises. We've got to hold on to the promises. We've got to hold on to the word of God. We've got to know God's word and God's promises. But by these promises, listen, let the wind blow. Let the storms come. Let the waves rise. Let the devils rise up. Let the world rise up against us. Let this world get darker. But there's a divine nature that's in the soul of man. Whatever's going to happen or whatever my lot is, we can say, it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. We are a partaker of a divine nature. And while we understand this and grasp this truth, if you just turn back to Second Peter 1, we'll just carry on through. Because this is what the divine nature produces. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? It's not just a religious decision. It's not just because we go to a church building. It's not just because one time we made a decision in a meeting. If the divine nature of God is in us, if the divine nature of the Almighty God is in us, in our souls, then something happens. Something has to happen. It's not enough anymore, friends, for someone to say, I am this, if the reality of the life of the divine nature in them is not emanating from them. None of us are perfect. We're being perfected. But there's the evidence of a new birth. There's the evidence of the life of God. We understand that, that there's a change in the life. None of us are perfect. No, we know that. We are being perfected and conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is a work of grace in our lives. And so we see then Peter says, if this is the, if we are the partakers of the divine nature, then here is the grace and the graces of the Lord Jesus Christ working on our lives. Look at verse 5. Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, and what's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. If Jesus is in you, then this is what comes out of you. Right? If Jesus Christ is in us, by, by faith in him and by the born-again experience, then what begins to ooze out of us is the person of Jesus. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How we need, how we need, we looked at it on Sunday morning, the Holy Ghost to move in these lives to demonstrate to this world the hope that's in us. That's Jesus Christ. We need the Holy Ghost to do that. That's that river of life. Bringing the person of Christ, all the graces of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming out of these lives. It is not by mine nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So that's why we need the Holy Ghost. He'll display Jesus in us, Jesus that lives in our lives. And these are the evidences that he is there. As an individual, we are it is inextricably linked to the fellowship then that's corporate. So we're going to look at the corporate tonight because this is really important. When we talk about church, we're talking about the assembling of the saints together. Wherever that church is, whether it's a building like this, whether it's a community center, whether it's a traditional style looking church building. I know we call that the church and we know it's not. But wherever that is, we're talking about the assembling of the saints together. This is what we're going to look at tonight is the activity of the church rather than the place that you go. Do you understand what I'm saying? The actual act What do we do when we get there? What happens when we come together or we assemble? And to continue steadfastly in these four pillars that were crucial to the early church. The word of God, fellowship, the breaking of bread, 
and prayers. This is what this early church did. They continued steadfastly. This was the function of how they operated together. Now I know, without any shadow of any doubt, we are going to experience a supernatural increase by new births. We're still we're still alive tonight. I know that. I'm convinced of that. There is going to be a sudden increase of new births. I believe that's going to happen. I am in no doubt of that. There's going to be an increase. God's going to do that. Not man. It's going to be a supernatural increase. What do they come into is important. What they join in the sense of where they attend is important. I heard a lot of people say, it doesn't matter what church you go to on a Sunday. Can I tell you, friend, it does matter where you go to on a Sunday. It actually does matter. You want to know that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is preached in its fullness. You want to know that his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his coming. You want to know that he is the only way to heaven. There is no other way by which a man can be saved but through Jesus Christ and him alone. You want to know that they believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, that it is God's inspired holy word. You want to know that there's there are people there that will care for your soul, that will tend to your soul, that will tell you the truth, sometimes even if you don't want to hear the truth. Because they love you more than anything else. They love and care for your soul. So it does matter where you go on a Sunday. And so as we look at this tonight, the church, the structure is vital for growth. That's why God has prompted me with these messages. It isn't just to fill four Wednesday nights. Honestly, it's not. He's prompted me with these messages because there has to be a structure. Church isn't just any old thing coming together. There's a structure. There's a function. There's a body. It's important. And as they come in, there needs to be pillars. Things that we believe in. Things that we have a conviction about. That when they come, they're going to see not just the people, but they're going to see these pillars in your life. Because that's important. Because people will follow what you are and what you do. So this church, you'll find the word church. Just let me uh, say this first of all. You'll find the word English word church 77 times in the New Testament. You'll find the word churches, plural, 36 times. There is one Greek word, and it is the ecclesia. The Ecclesia. Now here's the Strong's definition of the Ecclesia. So important. Just we just pick up this. This I know it's simple, but it's important. The Ecclesia is a calling out, a popular meeting, especially a religious congregation, a Jewish synagogue, or a Christian community of, of members on earth or saints in heaven, or even both. That's what the assembly is. The assembly is the calling out, the coming out, and joining together as a body of believers. That simply means, whether it's spiritual, or sorry, whether there's a, the aspect of it we know is spiritual, but there's a physical part. Do you understand? Please don't say, I'll be with you in spirit. Do you understand? Anyone ever heard that? I'll be with you. No, get your body, get your shoes on, get your coat on, and get to the house of God. There's a physical part of it, but I'm tired. Of course you are, but I don't feel like it. You may not, and most of the time you won't, and most of the problems will happen on Sunday morning. But friends, physically you've got to get that body, and you've got to understand what the assembly of God's people really is. Think about it. In this world, it's in the DNA of man to be part of something. Do you understand that? Football stadiums. It's because people want to be part of something. The pub at the bottom of this road here or the pub across the way has its regulars. Why? 
Because men want to be part of something. Women want to be engaged in something. So they find in a counterfeit sense, in in the darkness sense, they'll attach themselves or belong to a lodge, a pub, and I tell you what, they're faithful to it. Aren't they? I tell you, I go there, have my pint, I talk to my friends, we watch the match, and we do it every week. They're religious in what they do because it's in the very DNA of man as God has created us. What for? To have fellowship. And that fellowship, first of all, is with him. Thank God through Jesus Christ that's been restored if you're saved. But secondly, this is the mystery that's been hidden, God. The assembling together of God's people. It's an awesome thing. The public gathering of God's people is absolutely crucial. In Psalm 68 and verse 5, if you just turn to it for a moment, it says these words. Psalm 68 and verse 5. Speaking of God, Psalm 68 and verse 5 and verse 6. We'll read the both verses together if we could. Psalm 68 verse 5. If everyone's there, we'll read it together. A father of the fatherless, And a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. The habitation of God. Where is that? Where is the habitation of God? We are the habitation of God. We are the habitation of God through the Spirit of God. What does he want to do? He wants to take the solitary, and what does he want to do with them? Place them in families, the family of God. Think about it tonight, friend. God wants to bring the broken, the fatherless, the widows, the lonely, the destitute, and bring them in, what to? His habitation. Where's the habitation of God through the Spirit? We are. We are the habitation of God. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 9. If you turn over to it, you know these two verses particularly well. But this is what God wants to call us to. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. If you've obtained mercy, would you say amen? Amen. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. We weren't a people, But he's called us to be a people, to come together in this fashion, to meet together in this way. As much as it's individual, the fellowship corporately is as important as the fellowship individual. Some might say that's a big statement. But listen, I believe this. There is a physical coming together. It's physical in this sense, and I've mentioned it already. You had to drive to get to church. Maybe a few did walk it. You had to physically come. But when we gather here, the spiritual implication in the realm of the Spirit is profound. So I want you to try and change sometimes how some might think about having to go to a meeting. Oh, is there a meeting on tonight? Oh, I thought I was getting the night off. You've got to change how you think and how you see it. This is what the Bible says. If you turn over, Ephesians 3 and 9. And this is why I believe that the public gathering of God's people is under so much attack today. From without and also from within. Close it down. End the Sunday nights. Just have a picnic. Just do whatever you want. Watch the match. Take it easy. Those days are gone. Those days aren't gone. They're not gone, friends. It is from without 
And it is also from within that the gathering of God's people is under severe attack. But here's what Ephesians 3 and 9 says. And we'll read right through to verse 12. Verses 9 through to verse 12. Let's all read it together. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Friends, this is awesome. I mean, this is awesome. The fellowship of the mystery. This is this word fellowship. This is what they gave themselves to, which was from the beginning of the world. It was hid in God himself. Do you know this is a mystery tonight? Not that you're a mystery. This is a mystery. The gathering of God's people to the intent of principalities and powers in heavenly places. Do you ever wonder sometimes just why everything goes wrong just before you come out to a meeting? Has that ever happened to anybody here? Car breaks down, don't feel well, sore tooth, headache, don't feel right, sore back, had a rough night's sleep. Has that ever happened to anyone else? It's happened a lot, and it often can happen. Let me tell you, friend, let's trace this to what this is. The enemy opposes the assembling together of God's people. Think about it. The next time, I'm not talking about, you know, if if you're really not well and you can't make it, we'll pray for you. Understand that. But friends, we're so easily knocked out in the Western world. We're so easily put off. We're, We're... You know, we are soldiers in the army of the living God. And we're to endure hardships. So the next time, can I encourage you, you just feel like a wee off night, a wee slipper night, a wee PJ night. Just light the fire. Hey, close the curtains. We're just going to have a wee night. Think about it. I tell you, he'll be sitting beside you, the devil. And he'll be rubbing your back and you say, oh, poor you. Just lie here. It's all right. You think I'm joking? Why? He opposes with everything that's within him. The simplicity of this gathering tonight. Look at that lot. You know the world of walking past saying, look at that lot. I tell you, friends, we are a mystery to this world. We're a mystery to principalities and powers. This is the revelation of God that's been hidden, God, for eternity. And it's revealed tonight by the fact that we've come together as the body of Christ. And we're gathered together in his name. You think the devil enjoys that? No. So he would rather that we separate off. Break it down. Take it easy. Chill out. Friends, that's not what the Bible says. When we come together as the body of Christ, as partakers individually with this fellowship and partakers together with Jesus, when we come because of the love of God that's in our hearts, and number two, we come because of the love of God that's in our hearts for each other. That's why we come. We love God. And if you love God, what happens? What's the Bible say? You're to love your brother, isn't that right? Now you're all looking at me strange, but it does say it. And so what do we do when we come together? Ephesians 4 says, We're to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, enduring and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How is it possible without fellowship, Physically, coming together spiritually. How is it possible for us to love one another if we don't meet? It might be easier. (laughs) (laughs) How is it possible to forgive one another, as the Bible instructs us, or to prefer one another, or to edify one another, or to admonish one another, If we don't meet together, 
Boy, that sounds like a good church. A church without meetings. No problems then. This is the mystery. And this is the way it's going to be. Right there he comes. And we're all changed and we're all like him. To love one another. To forgive one another. To prefer one another. To edify one another. To admonish one another. We need to meet. Of course, it might be easier to wrap ourselves in spiritual bubble wrap ever such a thing. No contact. Isolation. I want to tell you, friends, isolation is from the pit of hell. If he can, he will. And if we allow him, if we give him a foothold, let me tell you something, friends. He'll present everything to you and every possible good reason why you shouldn't be here. But we're instructed clearly in the Scripture. You know, there's a saying, I don't know who said it, but it is a saying, it wasn't me, that's all I'm saying. To dwell above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with the saints we know, well, that's a different story. <laughs> It's true, isn't it? Because they're all so saintly tonight. (laughs) Sometimes not easy. Sometimes it's not easy. Because we're all different. We're all unique. We're all fearfully, wonderfully made. But how does this love work then? Let's just do like 30 minutes a week. Brief contact, cup of tea, wee biscuit, everyone go home again, and we'll see you next week. Oh, boy. (laughs) Let's work together. Let's labor together. Let's share with each other. Let's see what it's all like when the pressure's on, when the squeeze comes, when the difficulties come. Then we have to start to know what it is to love one another. How will they know that we are the followers of Jesus Christ? How will they know? So it's going to be easier not to do it. But really, will it? We're fastly approaching, we heard about it on Sunday night, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fastly, fast. Jesus is coming. Paul, right, and I believe it was Paul, the writer of the Hebrews, is my opinion. But Paul, already seen in that early church, when you looked at that wee page last week, you seen the reasons why they were writing the letter they were writing and the instruction and the theme of the letter that was in it. But when he gets in the Hebrews, and this might sound like, uh, what way to put this, the sort of, the pastor's favorite verse, just sort of reel this one out, wing it over the pulpit, and that, that's a good one. But friends, honestly, that's not the reason why. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, so already it was happening. It was already happening. The early church were experiencing it. There was already, the word basically forsaking means to desert. To basically absent without leave, to go AWOL. But exhort one another, and so, friends, with all honesty and sincerity in my heart tonight, I'm exhorting you. And it says, and the much more, if you see that day is approaching. And I tell you, friend, I believe that day is approaching. And so we're exhorted. Friends, come together. We need fellowship. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's rough. Sometimes you make it rubbed up the wrong way. Sometimes I make it rubbed up the wrong way. Sometimes you might experience an injustice even in the house of God. If I was to ask, and I'm not going to, for a show of hands, have you ever been wronged in the house of God I would say nearly every hand will go up, right? 
Someone has said something that they shouldn't have said. Surely every hand. Now you say, oh, pretend this never happened. You know what's happened? Hasn't it happened? Will we be honest tonight? Will it happen again? Friends, we're soldiers. We're soldiers in an army. It's God's army. And surely as we're seeing the day approach, we're seeing a world that's broken. You know, if I hear of one more full-scale fight in a church, God, that's our church, regardless of what the name is above the door, that's our church. That's the testimony of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need a move of the Spirit of God. And when the broken and the maimed and the halt and the blind and the sick and the possessed and the homosexual and the transgender and every type of vice and broken person comes through the doors, what do they come to? They must come to a place where, yes, there's faults because you'll find them. If you're looking for them, you'll find them. You'll find them. If you're looking for weaknesses, you'll find them. There may be at some stage that you'll be disappointed. Friends, I could disappoint you. Could I let you know something? You could disappoint me. But see, in the end, we're a partaker of a divine nature. And see that nature? Here's a revelation that we need to get. The same nature that's in me, the divine nature, is the same divine nature that's in you. The same Jesus that saved me is the same Jesus that saved you. And by the Holy Spirit, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So we see the day approaching. Can I say something? And this is going against probably the stream or what's popular in the church today. Gathering around God TV on a Sunday isn't church. Listen to me, it's not no matter who the speaker is, how great they are, sitting in the house in your PJs listening to a tape, it's not church. Church is the assembling of God's people together. With all its warts, with all its difficulties. Do you know why it has warts and difficulties? Because we are here. <laughs> you know what, don't you? Like, there's a few you're struggling tonight because I know you think you're way up here and it couldn't be you. I'm talking to you. And if I'm on your big toe, I'm going to just lay down a wee bit more weight tonight. That's the truth. 1 Corinthians 10, we're coming to a close in a minute. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 16, Paul starts to bring us in to the revelation of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 and 16 says these words. Let's read these two verses together, 16 and 17. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. We are all partakers of that one bread. This is an awesome verse. The bread which we break, is it not the communion, the fellowship of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ? This is his spiritual body on this planet. He is our living head, and we are his body. That is an awesome thing. And you are a vital part in that body. What you give, it's so important I say this tonight, what you give is crucial. Most today, most, most people today are looking for what they can take. That is the world that we're in, but sadly that is what the church world that we're in. What can you give me? Friends, what can you bring? And if it's just you, just bring you. In Colossians 2 and 19, it says that not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increase 
with the increase of God. We want an increase, don't we? I was talking earlier about a physical increase in souls being saved. Not only that, we want an increase in our lives. We want to grow. Are you growing? Are you maturing? Are you moving on in God? As Paul was pleading with the church at Corinth, to grow. I want meat, but I'm still giving you, we're still on the basics. I want to give you meat, but I can't give you meat because you can't, you can't handle the meat because we're still, we're still sitting annoyed about something that happened two years ago. We're still sitting offended about someone didn't speak to me or someone didn't do this or, or someone let me down. Or friends, brothers and sisters, we need to grow a wee bit. We need to mature a wee bit. We need to just get beyond the, 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 the sort of crash. You know, I'm not speaking to him. I'm not playing with him. At least with the kids after five minutes, they forgot that they fell out and they're playing again. Not true? So we need to grow. We want to increase. We want to mature. We close with 1 John 1. 1 John 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, verse 2, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it. We bear witness, and we show it unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, which was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now here's important here, verse 4. These things write we unto you. Here's fellowship. What, what, what's the purpose? That your joy may be full. Anybody want their joy to be full? You want your joy to be full? Like the joy of the Lord, what is it? It's our we want to be strong. So we want the joy of the Lord. It's all right to be happy. <laughs> it's okay to rejoice. It's, it's okay to, to shout unto God the victorious and great songs of Zion and, and, and thank God for saving you. It's okay to throw your hands in the air. It's okay to say praise the Lord, isn't it? Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, we're going to get there someday. There's going to be a Jericho march someday. I feel it in my bones. We need a mirror here and the rest of the kids. And Anna, they said they were going to lead us out some night in the march, I remember. So we're going to do a march some night. It's easy for the kids, isn't it? Sort of we try to work it out of them as they get older. But we teach them that you clap your hands and shout and everything else. Then we come to the big beating. Never. That your fellowship, that we also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things write I unto you, that your joy may be full. Verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of Him. And this is the message that He's declaring unto you, that God is light, and Him is no darkness at all. Verse 6 is really important. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, if we say that, I have fellowship with him. If that's what we say, and we do say that. But if we walk in darkness, in other words, if God's word, which is blatant, it's black and white, it's not gray. It's not there for interpretation. It's God's word. And if we then walk in darkness, knowing that that to be light, and then we make a decision, I'm not going to obey that word. I'm just going to live the way I want to live. I've got my own ideas, my own interpretation to all of this. Or it's just pure rebellion or sin on our part. Then the Bible says, I didn't say it. If we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. We're walking in darkness. But verse 7 says this. But if we walk in the light, do you know what that is? If we walk in truth. That's what that is. See, when it says walking in the light, that means you're walking in truth. That is the person of Jesus Christ, his word. I'm walking in truth. As he is in the light, 
Something happens. Again, this is spiritual. But it says, if we're walking in the light, we have fellowship one with another. What is that fellowship? The fellowship's with the Father. The fellowship is with the Son. The fellowship is with each other. And it's all by the Holy Ghost. Now then something happens. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, while we're sitting here, the efficacy or the working power of the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us all from all sin. Think about it, friends. The fellowship of believers walking in obedience to God's word. The Son, the blood, it cleanses us from all sin. But if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, no, we do. We make him a liar and his word is not in us. There's a fellowship here that we have when we're walking in that light, when we're walking in that truth. That fellowship is with each other. And the blood, the wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us, cleanses us, cleanses us from all sin. We want true fellowship, don't we? With him and with each other. And we look to God tonight by the Holy Spirit that he would work in our hearts and, friends, that we would grasp the revelation that it isn't three meetings a week. That's not what it is. It's the assembling of God's people together. It's the mystery hidden in God revealed to principalities and powers and to a world that's dying and going to a lost eternity. There's a people there. They're different They're different from the people in the pub. They're different from the people in the stadiums. They're God's people. And they have a loved one for another. There's true fellowship. Is that what we desire? Honestly, friends, do you desire that tonight? If you desire that, you're in the right place. Because that's what I desire. And that's what this church desires. That's what we all should desire. True fellowship spiritually. That's what it is first. That's what we're about that true spiritual fellowship. Lord, help us. Fill us and enable us in these days. In Jesus' name, amen.